0: Okay, lawmakers, you have a good 21 days to actually read the Mueller report before he testifies. The lead starts right now. The main event, Robert Mueller, now set to testify before Congress and the American people. President Trump spent much of the day lashing out, but will he try to block Mueller from testifying? The president's lawyer is here to tell us. The harrowing, heartbreaking photo of a desperate father and his daughter, risked it all to try to get across the border into the United States today. How this image is shining a light on the border crisis, but still not stopping the gridlock in Washington to solve it. Plus, it all could change tonight. We're just hours away from the first Democratic debate of the 2020 presidential race, with Senator Elizabeth Warren coming in hot and with a target on her podium. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin today with the politics lead, quote... Does it ever stop? That question coming from President Trump after finding out that special counsel Robert Mueller is being forced by Congress to testify publicly on July 17th in what may be the most anticipated testimony of the Trump presidency so far. Mueller will answer questions from members of the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees after being slapped with a subpoena. Now, Mueller made clear, in his view, his 448-page report was his official statement and the only one he wants to give. But House Democrats are eager to question the special counsel about the evidence he uncovered and whether he would have charged the president with obstruction of justice, but for Justice Department precedent that a sitting president cannot be indicted. Republicans, of course, are planning to hammer Mueller on the origins of the investigation and raise concerns about the probe's integrity. CNN's Sarah Murray kicks off our coverage now on what is sure to be must-see TV.
1: Look, the Mueller thing never stops. President Trump railing against congressional Democrats this afternoon after learning Robert Mueller will testify publicly for the first time since he started investigating the president and Russian election interference.
2: How many times do we have to hear it? It never ends. It just keeps going on and on. At what point does it end? It's a
1: disgrace. Mueller set to appear July 17th before the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees. Democrats subpoenaed the special counsel, who had hoped to avoid morning, testifying everybody. publicly.
3: Now I hope and expect this to be the only time that I will speak to you in this manner.
1: Mueller's appearance comes at a pivotal moment as Democrats weigh whether to dive into divisive impeachment proceedings. Either way, Democrats say Mueller's appearance will help Americans better understand his report.
4: He will be a very compelling witness.
1: But they're already managing expectations.
4: Certainly the outlines of what he's going to talk about are in the report. So um, now many Americans haven't read the report. But again, I think we should be realistic about our expectations.
1: The committees are expected to question Mueller in back-to-back hearings, followed by a closed-door session with the House Intelligence Committee and Mueller's staff to focus on the counterintelligence issues. Mueller's report concluded there was not enough evidence to charge members of the Trump campaign with conspiring with Russians. He left open the question of whether Trump obstructed justice, writing, if we had confidence that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state.
3: Any testimony from this office would not go beyond our report. We chose those words carefully and the work speaks for itself. And the report is my
5: testimony.
1: Republicans are jumping at the chance to question the special counsel's conclusions.
5: Bob Mueller better be prepared because I can tell you he will be Mm. cross-examined for the first time and the American people will start to see the flaws in his report.
1: Now, Bob Mueller has said he's going to stay within the four corners of the report if he were called to testify. But obviously, that will not stop lawmakers from asking whatever they want to, Jake, particularly why Bob Mueller never subpoenaed Donald Trump for an interview and for his testimony. And as you mentioned, why he declined to bring these obstruction charges if there was enough, enough evidence there to recommend them. Back to you.
0: All right, Sarah Murray, thanks so much. And joining me now to talk about this is President Trump's personal attorney, Jay Sekulow. Jay, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Jake. So thanks. I guess uh, the first question, will the president try to block or limit Mueller's testimony in any form or tell the attorney general, Bob Barr, to do so?
6: No,
4: the president uh, turned this over, this issue over to the attorney general. The attorney general said, uh, Attorney General Barr said it was fine for Bob Mueller to testify, and now he's going to testify. So I think, look, I mean, what he said, what, what Bob Mueller said was that his report was his testimony. Now I expect that his testimony will be his report. So uh, no, there's no there's no legal moves that are being made here. Bob Mueller will testify. I'm sure he's going to stick to the the, what's in his report. I don't expect there's going to be a new revelation here. That certainly would be inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll find out when he testifies what he's going to say. But I expect it to be the report. I should. I I think I messed it up. Bill Barr is who I meant to say. Sorry about that. Um, Are are you worried? That's I know you're talking about.
0: (laughs) Are you worried at all uh, that Robert Mueller will testify? that he did, in fact, intentionally leave it up to Congress to decide whether the president obstructed
4: justice. Is that a concern? No, I'll tell, I tell you what it is. If you look at the volume two of the report, uh, of the report, which is the obstruction provision, the whole process is turned upside down. I think the biggest question Bob is going to have to ask himself is, or be asked is, do you really think it's the job of the special counsel to exonerate someone? Because prosecutors don't exonerate the, you're presumed innocent until proven guilty, or at least until a charge would be brought uh, in a court of law. Here, uh, he said that, you know, he, was, he, said, he specifically said, we're not saying the president uh, committed a crime. We're not exonerating him either. But the job of the special counsel is not to exonerate. I think that where this is conflated, and I think it was conflated in the report, it, was, it turned the whole burden of proof and our presumptions of innocence upside down. I think that's going to be a big question he's going to have to answer. Why do you think he did that, he and his staff? I don't think they could come to a conclusion uh, that there was, in fact, obstruction of justice. And he did. Under the Department of Justice guidelines, if a prosecutor cannot make that determination, which he did not, uh, it then is reviewed by the superiors here. It's the attorney general, the deputy attorney general. And they said, based on the evidence that Bob Mueller put forward in his report, that there, in fact, was not obstructive intent, which, of course, be required for obstruction of justice. So Bob Mueller will have to explain this report, especially the volume two aspect, because, frankly, it, I've, and I've read it multiple times. And I'm glad you said at the beginning, maybe members of Congress yeah. will actually <laughs> read this report now. Uh, the fact of the matter is it's not a coherent legal argument in, in volume two. As I said, it turned the burden of proofs upside down, and it was really incorrect as a matter of law. Has the president read the Mueller report? The president said he's reviewed it. I have not had, uh, I'm not going to discuss conversations I've had uh, with the president uh, or not on this. I don't know the details of what uh, he's reviewed. Uh, I will tell you this his lawyers have. We have reviewed it uh, thoroughly more than once. And uh, it doesn't get, it's not an easier read the second or third time around, to tell you the truth. It's very convoluted, it's very hard to follow. And I know people are are trying to shed a new light on it. But I expect what Jake, honestly, I expect that Bob Mueller's going to say. Here's what I said. I said what I said in report. That's my conclusion. Uh, you know, It was interesting when he when he made his statement back a month ago, he said he thought it would be inappropriate to appear before Congress to respond or to even ans- answer questions from the press. So now he's in a situation where he's agreed to do it. Fine. We'll see what he has to say. I don't expect any uh, real new revelations in any of this. I think we're going to we're here more of the same of what's in it. And they did not make a conclusion uh, that ultimately the attorney general of the Department of Justice did make.
0: What if he does go beyond uh, the parameters uh, of the Mueller report? What will you do? Are you anticipating? Are you preparing for him to do something like that?
4: Well, I mean, we, look, you, you can't run into, you're not going to run into the, the proceeding and stop the proceeding. I mean, there's, you know, we actually, unlike others, we respect the separation of powers here and whose job and responsibility is. But, I, you know, I can't, I can't imagine a circumstance where he's going to start extrapolating something that's not in the report now, I mean, the issue on the counterintelligence investigation, that's going to be done in closed-door session, so th- that, that's completely separate. But I can't imagine a, a scenario where he's going to change something, uh, come to a different conclusion after his report has been issued when he said, my report is my testimony. So mm-hmm. I, I just, it's, it's hard to speculate what that would actually be. I, I mean, frankly, I think that's why you're seeing this kind of initial enthusiasm and lowering of expectations, you know, 24 hours later. It seems likely that the Democrats are doing this because most Americans,
0: unlike you and I, most Americans have not read the Mueller report and they want yeah. them to know what's in it. Do you think that House Democrats will ultimately
4: begin impeachment proceedings? And, and are you preparing for that? I do not think they're going to begin, uh, start impeachment proceedings. First of all, uh, you know, you got to go back to what would be the high crime and misdemeanor. I mean, it's going to be outset. But I think politically, look. Politically, and Republicans have this experience. This is a non-starter. Uh, and and look, the, the Democrats can say whatever they want to say, and and that's up to them and within their political caucus to determine what they're going to do. But to to start an impeachment proceeding based on Bob Mueller's report, I think would be a and I'm not I'm not a political prognosticator here, but I think it would be a political mistake. Legally, it would be ridiculous. Politically, I think it would be very dangerous.
0: OK, so you don't think they will. But are you preparing for them to do so just in case there is obviously I think it's a, a third of the, the Democratic caucus in the House is now on record saying they want impeachment proceedings to begin.
4: Are, are you not preparing? We're not. We have no we have no impeachment preparation team. In place. So no, because you just said it. I mean, there's an example. So one third of what they would need uh, wants impeachment and two thirds do not. And look, you look at some of the key districts involved here. Uh, there's a lot of members of the, of the party, that the Democratic Party, that are not going to want impeachment. It does not bode well uh, for them on reelection. So So, look, I mean, Nancy Pelosi's doing what she's doing. She's the she's majority leader, speaker of the House. She's trying to control her caucus the best she can. There's going to be diversity within, within their caucus. I get that. That's part of the political process. But I don't see uh, impeachment as a threat at all.
0: Jay Sekulow, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate your coming here.
4: Hey, Jake, thanks for having me.
0: A warning now, the images you're about to see are upsetting. A toddler's tiny, lifeless arm draped across her father's body. The horrific photo from the border that's raising new questions about the desperation and the danger. Stay with us. We're back with our national lead in the heartbreaking photograph gripping the nation. And fair warning here, what we're about to show you is difficult to look at. But we're showing it to you because it illustrates the desperation and the humanitarian crisis at the southern border of the United States. So this is Oscar Alberto Martinez and his daughter, Angie Valeria. She was just about to turn two. They were fleeing conditions in El Salvador. They drowned in the Rio Grande earlier this week. CNN's Ed Levandera now has a story behind this haunting image.
6: The tiny arm of 23-month-old Angie Valeria still clings to her father, Oscar Alberto Martinez, as the pair float lifeless on the shore of the Rio Grande. Their long and desperate journey towards a better life cut short at America's edge. The child's mother, Tania, witnessed it all from the Mexican side of the river. She told a local reporter her husband and daughter initially made it across the river. Oscar set their child on the opposite shore and began swimming back for his wife, but the toddler jumped in after him. He clung to her as they were swept away in a current, eventually drowning together in his T-shirt. Back in their home country of El Salvador, Valeria's grandmother weeps for her family.
7: They lived here with me, in the same house, so they wanted to have their own house, and that was what motivated them.
6: The family of three spent some two months in Mexico, eventually joining thousands of other migrants crowding near the U.S. border. They were waiting to ask for asylum from American officials, but on Sunday, they risked their lives for a faster way into the country. The push of poverty and the pull of promise have led millions to take such chances. Customs and Border Protection often release footage of migrants and their young children making the dangerous river crossing into the United States. According to U.S. Border Patrol, 283 migrants died on the southwest border with Mexico last year. 283 dead. It's a number some may easily forget until an image like this reveals what a humanitarian crisis on the border really looks like. And Jake, critics of the Trump administration's crackdown on this asylum policy, which limits the number of people who can cross legal ports of entry, say this will not remain an isolated incident. They've already seen dozens of people who have had to have been uh, rescued from the Rio Grande over the last few months. In many cases, we've seen Border Patrol agents jumping into into the river to save people from drowning. Jake.
0: All right, Ed Lavendera, thank you so much. President Trump this afternoon was asked how he felt after seeing the photograph. Take a listen.
2: I hate it, and I know it could stop immediately if the Democrats change the law. They have to change the laws. And then that father, who probably was this wonderful guy with his daughter, things like that wouldn't happen. They want to have open borders, and open borders mean crime, and open borders mean People drowning in the rivers.
8: The
0: president blaming the Democrats. Uh, Let's talk about this with our panel. And Priscilla Alvarez, let me start with you because you cover immigration for CNN. Um, That's the president. His basic argument is the Democrats need to change the asylum laws so as to provide a disincentive for people fleeing from the Northern Triangle countries, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, so they stop coming, so the people don't try to cross the river. What are the policy implications here? could have prevented this horrific tragedy.
9: That's exactly right, Jake. So the administration wants to see two specific things happen, actually. So they want to be able to hold families together in detention for a longer period of time, something that is limited currently. And they also want to be able to uh, return unaccompanied minors that are from the Northern Triangle countries back to their countries, something we already do with Mexico. These are both non-starters for Democrats, but it's something the administration has continually urged them to do. As far as this current situation... What we know about the father and his child is that they were coming here to seek economic opportunity. Now, the Trump administration has made it more difficult for asylum seekers to seek asylum here in the US through some of their policies, but it's difficult to know what exactly would change. Now, another part of this, because all of this is a multi-layered approach, is funding for the Northern Triangle countries where these migrants are coming from. And that is something that the Trump administration has said they are cutting funding to these countries. And so these conditions that they're fleeing from as far as we understand, are just worsening
7: funding that that Trump's own officials in El Salvador said was working in El Salvador.
9: Oh, the, the
0: uh, Kevin in the head exactly. of Department of Homeland Security, want, that's one of his points is fund these fund these countries provide them with aid
7: and it actually is from 2017 to 2018 you saw migrants from el salvador drop so cutting that funding is actually going to exacerbate this problem and likely drive more people to try to, to, to um, try to escape desperate situations that are going on in their home countries
10: uh scott what, what's your take Well, I think that uh, the way forward here is pretty clear. Both the House and the Senate have approved legislation, but only one of those bills has a chance to become law, and that's the Senate bill. The House bill- You're talking about the supplemental $4.5 billion. To to, to deal with the humanitarian crisis at the border. Um, And right now, the House bill is dead. Okay, the president will veto it. It has no chance to become law. The Senate bill passed just a little while ago. It got 84 votes. The fact is, Mitch McConnell and his team, and Chuck Schumer and his team, actually worked together to get a bill that was palatable- to both parties. And so I think the way forward for U.S. policy in the short term is to get on top of the humanitarian crisis. Everybody is outraged and heartbroken by this photo. One way we can stop these heartbreaking images is to get on top of the humanitarian crisis. The Senate bill does it, and it's the only one that can become law.
11: You know, the problem that I have with all of this is this president could stop this right now. Why not call in the Red Cross, save the children? Why not ask pediatricians around the country to volunteer a week of their time to go down and help administer and care to these children why not just call in every kind of resource that you have to deal with the problem that is there right now because I mean the tragedy of this photograph that we're looking at is that's just one part of this tragedy I mean over the weekend the stories that emerged about the conditions that these children are living in it doesn't make you any less of a badass or tough or mean or whatever it is he wants to show in terms of his policies if you say We don't want you to come, but we're not going to let children... I mean, these children are undergoing permanent damage. We are doing permanent damage to these children. PTSD, Mm -hmm. anxiety issues, depression issues and and in many cases as we know part of the, the the recklessness of this administration with so many acting this and acting secretary that is these children are also getting lost in the system we're not even able to bring you know reconnect them with their families it's shameful on everybody's side and who cares about this stupid bill get the help in there now
0: Priscilla where where is what is the future of first of all this 4.5 billion dollars uh in humanitarian aid for people at the border but then beyond that is there any hope for any sort of larger reform of the immigration system you
9: know i think what the administration would say right now is that this border wall fund or this not the border wall but funding for the border is what they need immediately and i think the conditions that we saw in the border patrol facilities is a an example of that Uh, these conditions are deteriorating they are overwhelmed by the crush of migrants that are arriving every single day and they would say that that's what they need now as far as where we go moving forward in terms of reform The administration will likely continue to push because I think what they're trying to say here is that they want to deter migrants from coming up to the border. Uh, But Democrats have shown in this moment, especially as they even fight over what should be included in a spending bill, that that's unlikely.
0: All right, everyone stick around. We have a lot more to talk about. Each candidate is getting just a few minutes to talk at tonight's Democratic debate. The last second preps to make sure those minutes are memorable. Next. In our 2020 lead now, we're just hours away from the crucial first debate of this election cycle. Here's how the Democratic candidates will be positioned on stage tonight, starting with New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, Congressman Tim Ryan, former HUD Secretary Julian Castro, Senator Cory Booker, Senator Elizabeth Warren, former Congressman Beto O'Rourke, Senator Amy Klobuchar, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, Governor Jay Inslee, and former Congressman John Delaney on the first night of the two-night debate event. CNN's Kyung-la takes us behind the scenes now into their last-minute debate preparations.
12: These are your candidates! The first main event of the 2020 race. Ten Democratic presidential candidates facing off on this stage for the first time. In the center, Elizabeth Warren, the only one of the top five contenders on tonight. She'll be flanked by Cory Booker and Beto O'Rourke.
4: Well, it's going to be tough, right? We've got 60 seconds to respond to some of the biggest questions that are on the minds of the American people right now.
12: Warren also practicing drilling down on her plans to short answers. Amy Klobuchar is preparing by watching the 2016 primary debates marked by unpredictable exchanges. The ideological divide among Democrats will be front and center. Warren, and other progressives on stage may see challenges from moderates like Klobuchar and John Delaney.
4: Medicare for all may sound good, but it's actually not good policy, nor is it good politics. I'm telling you. I'm
12: telling you. Julian Castro and O'Rourke both are campaigning on immigration reform, back in the spotlight after the disturbing image of a father and his daughter who drowned trying to cross the Mexico-U.S. border.
9: This president has
12: put us into this situation. Klobuchar and Warren traveled south of the debate site today to the Homestead Detention Center, where approximately 2,300 unaccompanied migrant children are being held. This is not what we should be doing as a country. These children did not commit a crime. These children pose no threat to people here in the United States of America. Kamala Harris, appearing in tomorrow night's debate, says she'll be watching tonight So will President Trump.
2: It just seems very boring, but I'm going to watch it because I have to. That's part of my life. You know, it's part of my life.
12: Now, I'm joining you in the so-called spin room, although the spin theater might be a more appropriate uh, word because it's such a large space. This is a place where after the debate, uh, some of the surrogates of these campaigns will come through and we'll talk to reporters. They will do that spinning, spin their message on how their candidates did. But, Jake, we're also hearing that some of the candidates may show up after the debate. Cory Booker expected to come here and speak to the reporters after his debate performance. Jake.
0: All right, Kyung La in Miami. Thanks so much. Uh, let's chew over all this with our experts. Uh, Jackie, what are you looking for tonight?
7: You know, I'm going to see if Elizabeth Warren can keep up this momentum that she's been building. She's been third in two national polls in some states. She's actually doing better, matching herself up with Bernie Sanders, who's her kind of closest ideological rising. Can she show people why this, why, she, why people are starting to take another look at Elizabeth Warren?
3: And Mike, what about you? Uh, I'm actually wondering if any of the other candidates particularly the ones sort of on the outside of the debate stage, will go after Warren? Uh, will, will they go after the number one candidate who's on the stage tonight? She's out there getting a lot of good coverage about all the plans that she has. You have to wonder if somebody like John Delaney, who probably doesn't have a very good chance of winning the nomination, might be the, the person to sort of go after some of these plans and say, well, how are you actually going to pay for that, Senator? Uh, that, that would be interesting to see uh, because everybody thinks they're going to be going after Biden or Sanders.
10: You're
0: going to be looking at a different
3: candidate tonight.
10: Well, I I do agree the stakes are highest for Warren. She's the only one on this stage that right now I think is in the legit conversation. I mean, You got uh, Beto, maybe his last stand tonight. He's been a huge flop so far. Uh, But I'm thinking about Joe Biden. He's not there, but all these candidates eventually got to take on Joe Biden. So I want to see who's got the guts to punch at Joe Biden. He's not there to respond. And then will anybody have the guts to take up for him if they happen to agree with Biden on an issue? What about you?
11: I'm looking to see if Warren, you know, she is the person who has set the policy agenda, I think, in many ways. I know Bernie's people would disagree with that. And so much of what gets discussed tonight, how much of that ends up spilling over to tomorrow, to where people Mm. are having to defend themselves, which for her kind of pushes her again, keeps her momentum going. I also want to see if Beto can hold his own. Uh, he's had some trouble on the policy front. And so standing next to the woman who is the queen of policy in this debate, this is going to be a big test for him.
10: You know, one thing about Warren, she has so far, I think, of all these people shown the most adeptness at being at a lectern and talking to a crowd. and. Her CNN town hall, I think, was uh, she did a really good job. She's a really so, good communicator. So, these, yeah. and, you know, she's a teacher. She's used to standing in front of a classroom. And so these settings really do set up for her. So, I think if she performs well tonight, it, it really vaults her even higher than she's gone in the last few weeks. You know, the gender dynamics are interesting. There'll be three
0: women on the stage tonight Klobuchar, Gabbard. And Warren, is there a risk for a man taking on a woman in a debate? We've seen different dynamics play out. There was when Rick Lazio took on Hillary Clinton in that Senate debate so many years ago, I guess 2000, uh, when when Trump and Hillary went at it. I mean, it, it can be... Difficult,
11: Absolutely. And it's something that, you know, having worked with male candidates who have had female moderators and male and female candidates mixed on the stage, you know, you have to be mindful. I mean, it'll be the first time we've ever had three women at the same time. So I think the dynamics between them, I don't think we'll see anything there. But, you know, for women, it's likability. People are looking for electability. And how a man, a man and a woman engage, there are certain things that we still think maybe that's a little bit too mean, that's a little bit too harsh, goes too far. So I'd be very curious to see both how those dynamics play out and then tomorrow when we sort of are thinking about it, how do we feel about what happened between the candidates?
0: The number one thing that Democratic voters are looking for when it comes to picking a nominee is can they beat Donald Trump? Right. They're all going to be unanimous that they think Donald Trump is a disaster. But how do you distinguish yourself uh, as being the one who can beat Trump uh, when you're standing on a stage with 10 people who think they can.
3: Well, I I think it's interesting because, again, we've been talking about Elizabeth Warren. She's to distinguish herself not because of she's the toughest person against Trump, but because of all these ideas and all these plans. And I I sort of want to give Democratic primary voters a little bit of credit here. I think they're also looking at those policies, at those plans. And so I do think a good way to stick out is not is, is to actually not. Talk so much about Trump tonight, uh, but really to talk about uh, uh, how you might differ from Elizabeth Warren or from any of the other candidates.
7: Though I do think if you're one of the candidates, kind of on the lower tier, you have to kind of show that you can take it to the president because no one's been listening to you. (laughs) Otherwise, any of your you know wonderful policy proposals, if you have them, no one cares. They want to see, they want to be able to see that person next to the president on a stage someday.
0: Everyone, stick around. Do Republicans need to be concerned? about Democrats' performances tonight. The Republican senator from the key voting state of South Carolina, Tim Scott, will join me next. In our politics lead, make no mistake, tonight's Democratic primary debate is in Florida, but the crucial early state of South Carolina could be the decider for Democrats. Joining me now is a man who knows a lot about winning in South Carolina, Republican Senator Tim Scott. Senator, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Jake. Good to be on your Appreciate story. it. So you know the voters well in South Carolina. Right now, uh, former Pretty Vice well. President Joe Biden is leading in polls
8: uh, South Carolina Democrats. Big, big, still big. early, though. Um, still, but he has a huge lead, really, in many ways. He's done very well with African-American voters in a way that is inconsistent with what we, what we thought would be the case. So it's exciting to see um, that African-American voters are not focused on identity politics as much as they are on who they think the best candidate is. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to be voting in that primary. But right. it is interesting, interesting to see the engagement uh, from the constituents that I represent Uh, in their involvement, looking for the best candidate.
0: It's 60% of the Democratic base in South Carolina. 60% is African American. Are you surprised that your colleagues... Kamala Harris and Cory Booker
8: aren't. And it's early. I want to emphasize it's early. Are you surprised they're not doing better in polling yet? I am. I mean, I thought, honestly, with the, you look at the 60% of the African-Americans that make up the Democrat primary, African-American women make up the majority of the African-Americans. Therefore, you would think that by default, Kamala would have a pretty strong advantage and Cory would be right behind. But what's happening right now is a bit surprising that candidates who are running very hard and very strong are folks who are actually white males in the Democrat primary. And so in South Carolina, that's no different. The facts are very clear that Joe Biden and his reputation, his legacy of service, is serving him well with African-American voters. Hence, his lead is a double-digit lead.
0: It is interesting, especially for a party as diverse as the Democratic Party. Now, speaking of diversity, you uh, launched a new initiative called Empower the Empower America Project, yes. which trains and supports diverse Conservative candidates to rep- run as Republican candidates. Now, you're the only African-American Republican senator yes. uh, and only one of two black Republicans in Congress, period. You and Will heard uh, the House member, the number of Republican women in Congress actually went down. One of the things I'm told by Republicans off the record is that the party is behind Supporting more diverse candidates, whether it's African-Americans, Latinos, women, whatever. Absolutely. But Republican voters don't necessarily support them in the Republican primaries. Well,
8: I don't know that I I would, of course, disagree with that. You're an an exception, of course. (laughs) Well, my first race in Congress, I had to beat the son of Strom Thurmond and the son, namesake, of the most popular governor in the last hundred years, Carol Campbell. Jr. I ran against his son as well. So the facts are very simple, that our candidates on the right can win, even if you are a minority candidate. What you have to do is you actually have to develop a farm team that spent a lot of time in the communities. I'm opposed to or think it's more difficult to win by starting out running for the Senate or the House. There are some aberrations out there, and hopefully we'll see another one happen this year with a candidate who's running. But the truth is that building that farm team means planting the, so- planting the seeds in the soil and giving it some time to run. So our hope is that over the next uh, few cycles, we'll have more and more candidates being successful because we'll pick the kind of candidates that already have a strong reputation, a strong legacy of service, and a way for us to help build on their natural gifting. And if we do that, we'll be very successful.
0: Uh, Now, I know President Trump always talks about how black unemployment is at record lows. 6.2. Latin American. uh, uh, (laughs) 4.5. Unemployment. But... Um, Doesn't sometimes the rhetoric that he that he says he uses complicate the job
8: that you're trying to do right now? Well, listen. I, I wish we had fewer people on Twitter. There's no doubt about that. But the truth of the matter is that what we can celebrate is the fact that most Americans, I think, over 90% of Americans, want a more civil discourse, more civil debate. I think if we draw the type of diverse candidates to the forum, to the conversation, we'll have that more civil society and more civil debate. And each candidate will have to be responsible for their own words.
0: Um, now, I don't want to. This is. I want to be clear here. I'm not blaming these images. I'm about to show. On President Trump, but when there are images like this one of the dad and his daughter drowning in the Mexican border, at a time when President Trump is pushing a hardline immigration uh, position, does that complicate? the the job that you're doing?
8: Well, certainly I think it makes even more important the job that I'm doing. Having diverse candidates and diverse figures, having that conversation with our friends on the other side about not taking the issue as their political uh, opportunity, but taking the solution as a political opportunity. I think we have greater credibility when we have different voices, diverse faces, having that conversation. The truth of the matter is that we today passed humanitarian assistance in the Senate. I think it was 84 to 8. So we have the a vote on a bipartisan piece of legislation, and it's already meeting resistance in the House because sometimes it appears that folks prefer the issue than they do the solution.
0: I do want to ask you about the recent rape allegation uh, made against President Trump. Um, two of your Republican colleagues, uh, Senators Mitt Romney and Joni Ernst, say the accusation should be looked into. I, I, I'm I'm not asking you to make a judgment, but do you agree? Should it be looked into? Yeah,
8: I mean, I think any uh, allegations made that that seem to have merit, we should take a look at. I have not seen the allegations, so I can't comment on it specifically. You haven't seen the allegation on the cover? Well, I mean, I've seen I haven't read into that. Okay. I haven't read the stories because the fact patterns are really important in making a decision on whether or not there should be a legal or criminal investigation into allegations.
0: Senator Tim Scott, Republican of South Carolina. It's always a pleasure to see Thank you. you. Thanks, Jake. So, thanks for forward, stopping by. I look forward it. to coming back. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> breaking news on the Boeing 737 MAX. That's next. Plus, none of your business what President Trump does not want you to know about an upcoming meeting he has. Breaking news in our money lead sources telling CNN that the FAA has discovered yet another flaw with the Boeing 737 MAX airplane, the same plane that's been grounded since March in the U.S. after two crashes elsewhere in the world killed 346 people. CNN's Drew Griffin has been covering the story since the beginning. Drew, what are your sources telling you?
5: Another setback, Jake. It's our reporting that the FAA test pilots working in a simulator tested what would happen if a microprocessor failed on board. That 737 MAX came up with the same result as in both the Lion Air crash and the Ethiopian Air crash. Basically, that the runaway stabilizer trim pointed the nose of the plane down and the pilots could not recover in a matter of seconds. The FAA is demanding that Boeing fix the problem. Whether or not that fix requires just a software fix or whether microprocessors need to be changed in all 737 maxes is is now what is being tested but this is a pretty big setback discovered by FAA's uh, test pilots that this situation has has come up in this troubled airplane and
0: obviously uh, Boeing had been hoping that the the all clear would be given and the plane would be returned to the to the airwaves I assume this will delay that return
5: I was expecting any day now the FAA to announce a flight certification test to be run, but that is delayed now indefinitely. It's not going to happen until this plane and all its kinks are worked out. And even after that, Jake, it's going to be another four to six weeks before the technical advisory board uh, brought together by the FAA it goes over everything Boeing did. So, yes, we've got a major delay now. Back again with the 737 Max.
0: All right, Drew Griffin, thanks so much. And our politics lead now. Right now, President Trump is on his way in the air to Japan for the G20 summit, where he is expected to have his first face-to-face discussion with President Putin since the release of the Mueller report. Now, when asked about their upcoming chat on his way to Air Force One, the president still would not commit to even bringing up the subject of the Russians' interference in the 2016 elections. In fact, he says, it's none of your business. I personally cannot think of a subject that is more of our business. But here's CNN's Boris Sanchez at the White House.
13: As Donald Trump departs Washington for the G20 meeting in Japan, the president again taking aim at several key issues like Iran.
2: I'm not sure that their leaders care for their people. If they do, they'll make a deal. If they don't, they're just thinking about themselves. And they're selfish and they're stupid if that's what they're doing.
13: And Russia refusing to answer when asked if he would confront Vladimir Putin in Osaka about not interfering in the 2020 election.
2: I'll have a very good conversation with him. What I say to him is none of your business.
13: The president instead seeming to take a shot at another leader. He'll be meeting at the summit during a Fox Business interview, (laughs) blasting German Chancellor Angela Merkel and suggesting Germany abuses the United States, quote, worse than China on trade.
2: You have a woman in Europe, I won't mention her name. She hates the United States, perhaps worse than any person I've ever met.
13: His digs also aimed at one of his own appointees saying Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell doesn't do anything for the U.S.
2: He's a guy, nobody ever heard of him before, and now uh, I made him, and he he wants to show how tough he is, okay? Let him show how tough he is. He's 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 not doing a good job.
13: And before a crowd of people of faith before leaving for Japan, the president reviving his feud with late Senator John McCain, again criticizing McCain's vote against the repeal of Obamacare.
2: We needed 60 votes. And we had 51 votes. And sometimes, you know, we had a little hard time with a couple of them, right? Fortunately, they're gone now. They've gone on to greener pastures. (laughs) Or perhaps far less green pastures, but they're gone. Very happy they're gone.
13: Jake, one more note about that meeting between Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. A senior administration official tells CNN there's no formal agenda for the meeting. They're gonna discuss Syria, Iran, and Ukraine. But as far as election meddling, this official says that President Trump has already made his feelings well-known and that he's not going to be repeating them.
0: Jake. All right, Boris Sanchez at the White House, thank you. The attorney general has a hidden talent. What is it? That's next. Nope, your eyes are not deceiving you. That is indeed the attorney general of the United States and... Longtime bagpiper, Bill Barr, joining the NYPD Emerald Society pipe band at the Justice Department earlier today. Barr said his staff was planning to surprise him with the band, but he foiled their plot. As you
2: know, I'm very proficient at, dare I say the word, spying.
0: (laughs) I don't know about that, certainly proficient at piping. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Jake Tapper. You can tweet the show at The Lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. Thanks for watching. When you work, you work next level. when
14: you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store.